but uh, I should warn you to buckle yourselves in because these readings for Epiphany, uh, the, the gospel reading itself, we could go hours and hours and hours and hours on, and I can guarantee we'll be home sometime before the next year. Not too good for being we're only 60 hours, not even 60 hours into the new year. But there's so many different elements to it. Uh, we could talk about the star. Just a few weeks ago, uh, everyone was uh, aghast and gosh about the, uh, the so-called Bethlehem star. Problem with that is it doesn't seem like that star appeared or that conjunction of, uh, was it um, Jupiter and Saturn appeared uh, no time around the birth of Jesus. However, there was another conjunction that was around that time, the conjunction of Jupiter, the king star, the, the king of the gods, Venus, the goddess of love, the planet, in uh, appearing a conjunction with the star Regulus, who gets its name uh, off, um, off of king, in the constellation of Leo, the lion, which has a connection with Judah. Judah was described as a lion. That conjunction only occurs about every 30,000 years, and it would have been rare enough. Uh, no one had probably recorded that in uh, the times that it had happened before, mainly because 30,000 years uh, BC, humans were more worried about surviving than staring at the sky and looking for odd anomalies like that. Yes, they did study the skies and they had, had some things worked out, um, perhaps of planting and harvesting and all those things, but not quite to that level. That uh, conjunction, by the way, would have fit Matthew's gospel. It would have seen, appeared to go retrograde, which means go back and then go, go forward again, which is why the, they would have lost it for a bit and then found it for a bit. We could talk about the Magi themselves. This is uh, a word that's only, only used a few times in the New Testament. Uh, the Greek, Greek word is literally Magi. Uh, the other reference is to a Jewish Magi, and it seems like he's more a sorcerer, somebody not who casts spells or whatever, but somebody who studied archaic knowledge. The Magi certainly would have had that ability uh, because if they had witnessed this great star, this great, great conjunction of the stars and the planets coming together, they would have had to have some way of knowing that, of, of being able to study those, those kind of things. And as astrologers, in the ancient sense, not in the modern sense, they knew what was happening on Earth was written in the stars. And so as they saw that conjunction of the planets and stars, if if that's what it was, which it seems reasonable, they would have understood something important happened. And they would have studied the texts of scriptures throughout the world, and they would have been most likely familiar with the Old Testament prophecies, especially that a, sprout shall, a, 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 a shoot shall sprout from the stump of Jesse. This king should come. We could talk about how uh, these magi were wise men, and yes, I do believe they're wise. I know I've heard every, every bad joke about it, you know. If they would have been really wise, they would have bought, brought practical gifts. But I remind you, they were wise because they stopped and asked for directions. So men, take that as a little hint. But 
I think the tact that perhaps most important today for us is to look at the gifts themselves. Because I'm convinced, I'm deeply convinced, not only the gifts were useful, but they also hinted at something that they understood about the one they were giving the gifts to. Gold, we know. Most of us know gold. I do have frankincense and myrrh. I, I'm too poor for gold itself. But uh, I do have gold and frank, uh, uh, frankincense and myrrh over by the Nativity crash today after Mass. I invite you to come forward and, and to, to look at that if you so wish. But most of us are familiar at least with the concept of gold. Gold is a, a yellowish metal. It does not tarnish very easily. It can, it can tarnish and it can uh, uh, go into various other alloys and, and those kind of things. But gold in and of itself is a precious, precious metal. And it always has a, almost always has a connection with riches and with royalty. It's not the most uh, expensive metal on the face of the earth. I believe platinum actually, ounce for ounce, uh, costs more. But gold itself is easy to work with, it's beautiful, and it has some value to it. Now, they wouldn't have just brought raw gold. Most likely, the gold that they gave was in coins. Uh, how many of us at Christmas time or birthdays or whatever have ever received a gift card? That's the modern equivalent of gold. A very modern equivalent of gold, actually. Um, our money, until fairly recently, was always backed up. Our, our dollar bills, our cash, was always backed up by gold. Kept in Fort Knox and various other safe locations in the United States. That's not necessarily true anymore. But gold is cash. But gold also hints at that kingly, that royal element that is a kingly metal. Why gold instead of silver? Why gold instead of bronze? Because gold has a kingly element to it. The wise men of bringing gold would have been hinting at that. Then there's frankincense. We might have some familiar, familiarity with frankincense. Uh, here uh, at Christmas, we used incense, but not, it was not frankincense. Uh, frankincense itself is frank, meaning real, incense. And it comes from a tree. It's the resin of a tree. So they cut the bark and sap comes out. They allow it to dry. They, then they harvest it. They allow it to dry even, even more. Uh, it has kind of a, a gravelish uh, or, or almost honey kind of color. It depends on the grade. Uh, it comes from five different trees. There's a royal frankincense tree, and then uh, uh, from there it goes, goes down. Frankincense itself, when it's burned, it has a perfume about it, and uh, it is a deodorant. In the days of travel before cars, Sometimes you'd have to cover up the smell of the exhaust. Let's just leave it at that. Or when people would gather, they usually had walked. Can you imagine all the sweat and all the smells? In days before, baths were thought to be uh, almost necessary, maybe on a daily or some people actually more than once a day, uh, might take a bath or shower. You know, people would have a certain smell about them. And to cover up some of the smell, they would use frankincense. Not only that, frankincense has an antibacterial, antiseptic quality about it. 
We should probably in these days use it a lot more, maybe, but then also it has an added element to it, not only as a deodorant, but it also has this quality of as it rises, it symbolizes our prayers rising up to heaven. We use frankincense or incense uh, at, at various times during the Mass, uh, especially at the offering. In the ancient uh, Jewish uh, customs, they would put frankincense over the grain offerings, over the food offerings to be burned, as, again, a way of deodorizing what was going to happen, what was going to be burned, but also symbolizing prayer rising up to heaven. So we use frankincense at the offertory is somewhat a connection to that. But also as we incense, it reminds us physically what spiritually is happening. That we cannot see fully, we cannot peer into the mystery of what is really happening at the altar. And so frankincense, as we put that screen of, of smoke in front of us, we remind ourselves we cannot see, we cannot understand fully what's happening. So frankincense has a divine mystery about it, one that reminds us of God. So deodorant and prayer. Hmm, maybe the wise men were a little bit wiser. And then there's myrrh. Myrrh is probably the least known to us, the least uh, um, we know the least about. And so therefore it kind of gets the... Uh, uh, the bad rap of being the least useful, I'm convinced it's the most useful, and, and uh, I won't ask for a show of hands this morning, but uh, uh, when we're done, I might ask. Myrrh is also a resin from a tree. I should back up. Frankincense comes from uh, the um, Saudi Arabia area, in, in Arabia, so uh, in Asia. Myrrh itself comes from Sudan. Again, like I said, it comes from a tree. In fact, the story is the myrrh was so valuable in the ancient world that they, there were people, literally, their only job was to guard the myrrh trees. That they would uh, guard them day and night, year-round, especially during the harvest. They would cut again into the bark, the, the sap would come out, it would dry, they would collect it. Myrrh would go through various grading uh, things as well. The best myrrh is, is a dark, um, almost, uh, almost burgundy color. Myrrh has a bitter kind of perfume about it when it's burned. Uh, both frankincense and myrrh can be burned. But myrrh itself is better when it's dissolved into one of two things. It can be does, dissolved into wine or vinegar, and it can be dissolved into oil, olive oil being the choice oil of the Mediterranean world. When it was mixed with wine in small amounts, it would give the wine a, a, a luxurious kind of quality. It would kind of tickle the tongue. Myrrh has a pain reliever uh, aspect to it that it, it's, uh, some have uh, pushed that it would actually be labeled as a narcotic. It's non-addictive and uh, non-habit forming and, and those things, but it does have that narcotic kind of quality to it. In small amounts, that wouldn't necessarily be the case. But in large amounts in wine, it would have that case of, of deadening pain to the point of being able to bear excruciating pain, literally excruciating. In Mark's Gospel, especially at the end, of the, uh, right before Jesus is to be crucified, they offered him wine laced with myrrh, and he refused. 
why? Well, you could do a theology assignment on that one as well, but he wanted to suffer for us. Myrrh has that suffering quality to it. In oil, in a small amounts, myrrh would give it a, a little bit of more perfume and it would become a luxurious bath oil. Uh, and uh, as such, it was highly valued. But myrrh, most of the time, was put in large amounts of oil and it would be used in funeral rites because myrrh not only has that anti-pain uh, element to it, it also is an antiseptic. It kills bacteria. And so as they would anoint the oil with, uh, the, the body with oil that was heavily laced with myrrh, it would kill some of the bacteria and allow the body to be present a little bit longer so that the funeral rites could be continued without causing a great stench. So myrrh has that element of death about it. But the most fascinating fact is that even yet today in high-end toothpaste, you can find myrrh because of that antiseptic and pain reliever element to it. But even better yet, it is really good for diaper rash ointment. Is that a practical gift or what? So putting this all together, the wise men in bringing these gifts understood that Jesus was king, they understood him as divine, and they understood that he was going to suffer and die, that he was, it was going to be a painful death. How they knew, only God knows. Maybe they had studied the scriptures so much so that they understood all of this. But whatever reason it was, they knew these gifts were appropriate. These gifts were wisely practical, useful, and hinted at something more. Today in this gospel passage, we hear of Herod saying, go and search for the, the, the newborn king, and when you find him, come back. I found myself reflecting, even Herod understands that he had to come to grips with who this Jesus is. Of course, he had the wrong idea, and he wanted to murder Jesus in order to protect his kingdom. We know how that ended up. Uh, Herod, uh, Herod the Great died a few years after the birth of Jesus. The, the wise men were wise and they did not return, having been warned, and they went home another way. But the same is true for all of us. That while we're not the wise men who come from the uh, distant uh, Far East in order to worship Jesus Christ in his uh, birth, we are still invited to come. And everything we have is God's gift to us but he wants us to make a return to him. That's what epiphany means. It means as Christ is revealed to us, what does that mean for us? That we return to him. We don't come with gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Well, not literal gold, maybe. But we come with, hopefully, gifts that recognize who we believe Jesus Christ really is. Even Herod, coming with the sword, knew that Jesus was a threat to all corrupt government officials. Well, as wrong as that is, he understood. Who do we say Jesus really is? Epiphany is the revelation of Jesus Christ to the nations. Who is he for us? What gift is appropriate? It's a question that each of us has to answer because each of us 
has been given different gifts, different talents, different treasures by the Lord. Whatever it is, we offer it this day. Let us understand who Jesus Christ truly is, as God, as man, as Savior, as Lord. And let us bring gifts that are appropriate for this God who has made man for us.